Hey, it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast, where we talk about photography and technology and digital imaging. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And I keep making these things up as I go along, but here we are. We're back again. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> No, it's fun. I did we wonder had... where you were heading with that. Oh, into a dark recesses of my yeah. brain, you know. But we, we it, it's it's fun. We're coming up on, um, we're coming up on the holidays. Can you believe it? Um, we're we're just you know we're sifting through some product announcements. We're going to get deluged, I'm sure, with a bunch of Black Friday stuff. So um, we're going to do our podcast early next week. So that you can, um, with our annual tradition of listing out um, good gift ideas, stocking stuffers, whether they're for someone you care who's a photographer in your life or probably just yourself, <laughs> you can drop hints. And, and they out. include things that we have that we think are pretty cool too. Right, and of course, there's going to be, I'm sure, a lot of discounts coming out there um, as well for some of these sales. Yeah. I think, I think Black Friday has turned into just the entire month of November for a lot of companies. It uh, seems that way. There's a lot of good rebates right now and, and, and good ways to get things. So that will come out early next week so that you have time to take advantage of uh, the uh, Thanksgiving weekend sales and Cyber Monday sales, whatever. So hopefully we'll, we'll have some on that. Just wanted to let you guys know to expect a podcast from us um, early next week. But uh, this week we're going to talk about some interesting features uh, that a lot of newer cameras have, and that's software apps that you can use to control those cameras and why you might use them and some pros and cons and various things. And and to be more specific, these are apps that you would run on your phone. Correct. Whether it's uh, you know an Apple iPhone, an Android, you know, whatever. And most of the manufacturers have these apps out for cameras. And this goes back to at least 2014. They've been doing mm -hmm. something, um, and it may probably even earlier than that, there's been smartphone apps for these cameras. And these apps have evolved. And uh, some of them got better, some of them got worse. Um, but there's some features in them that are that are available that you may or may not know about. And they're going to differ by brand but we'll just talk about the kinds of things you can potentially use these apps for and then you can look at your specific one and see if it meets your needs right and then one of the things that we'll kind of finish up with is what can go wrong too what have we seen you know what's unfortunately kind of normal with the apps and and some of the simpler ways that usually um, resolve the problem yeah, well, there's and there's unfortunately plenty. that may be the most useful part of the podcast, but no, right. I think the other stuff is useful too. Well, because there are some know, hidden things in some of these apps. Going back historically, what what they were doing in the beginning was the camera was set up to include its own Wi-Fi hotspot that you could let your smartphone join. You could connect to it, and then you could use an app. And then Bluetooth came along, and they've added in both of these things. And depending on which app you're using and depending on which camera you have, you may use one or both. Um, and, and when it works, sometimes they work quite well. So <laughs> let's just... Let's just let's talk, about, talk about yeah. Well, let's talk about what they can do. Right. Let's, yeah. Exactly. As a whole, and this is not going to be a Fuji does this and Canon does this and Nikon does this. It'll be more of a here's what you'll find 
in general? A general set of features. And, and, and some of these are quite useful. So I think the first the obvious one is you can use them to control your camera remotely. In lieu of a cable release or something like that. Right. And, and some of them actually let you change settings. So mm -hmm. uh, you, you can do um, a certain, some of them will have just a, a dumb remote, which is just a replacement for an infrared or cable release remote cord. And you can just use it to click the button. And, and that's great. And th that, would, that would be ideal um, in certain situations where you're sitting there, you're on a tripod, you've got the camera all set up and you just want to use something to trigger it remotely because maybe you don't have a cord. Or uh, in the case of some cameras where maybe the cord orientation is really awkward to use with something like an L bracket, yep, uh, which, which we've both run into times where if you have crazy. a camera oriented vertically, then the, 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 um, the, uh, cable gets in the way of your, you know, it just, it just can be a pain. So having a, a separate release that you don't need to, to, to use, that can be a very handy thing. And your phone is almost always with you. So that's just, the beauty of about. it. Right. And then the control thing can be kind of neat because you can change apertures, you can change settings, you can change, um, and you and many times it'll even broadcast if it's a mirrorless camera or if you're using it in um, live view mode, you can actually see a preview of the image. Yeah. So think about this if you're shooting at ground level and don't necessarily have a flippy flip out screen or sometimes it just a lot easier to use the remote. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and it's another time where I've done this where it's, think about taking a group shot for the holidays. Mm -hmm. You can trigger with your phone. You can make sure that everybody's in the picture while you're already there. Um, yeah. And then you just have to Photoshop and get multiple shots easily. Right, and, and you can just set that up. So that's that can be very cool. Um, the, um, the, the caveat is that depending on how you have your camera set up, you may or may not have access to all of the features for exposure in certain settings. But right. for 99% for of the time, it works pretty darn well. And th those are the ones that use, um, you need generally need the Wi-Fi connection to have that happen. Right. Um, but there's other things that you can do with these apps, right? Right. So a, a, one that is pretty much common to all of them, I think, is location data. Yes. You know, GPS, cell tower, et cetera, location data. And you can have it um, actually tag the images uh, as opposed to having to do it later um, through right. some intermediary software. So you can just have the raw files or JPEG, JPEGs just directly tagged, which is a great thing. Yeah, consider a situation where uh, otherwise you might have to use a GPS logger that we've talked about, or you have a separate GPS module that you have to use in your hot shoe and then connect to the camera. All of those things are kind of a pain. They're doable. But the ideal situation is when you get back from your shoot, it's already got the GPS tagged and stamped into your images. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that is one area where I've really leaned on my, my, um, my camera app for my, for my phone. Same here. Um, for, for cameras that don't have built-in GPS, which frankly is most of them. Right. Um, there's very few that, that have that. Um, another thing that is really useful, and this is especially if, say, if you're, you're traveling somewhere, 
right? And you're out on a, you know, and you're on a tour maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. The ability um, to just download your photos from your camera to your phone in JPEG format. You can get RAWs too, but it takes a long time. But none uh, of them are quick. Yeah, they're they're not fast, files. especially you, from big big cameras, high resolution. You're talking cameras. minutes, but frequently. but. Um, Oftentimes you can get a maybe a two megapixel image or even an eight megapixel image JPEG format. Um, and what's cool about that is, um, you know, you have something you can use it, you can play around with it on your phone to, um, you know, maybe you want to edit it with your phone's apps or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the ability to instantly share that while you're traveling and just say, oh yeah, here's a, a picture that I took with my real camera. And now you have the convenience of having a good photo on your smartphone and you share it to wherever, right? Yeah. Now, one one thing that's good to know about, and this is, I think, dependent on your uh, camera having a Bluetooth connection. So older ones won't. Newer ones, meaning the last few years, uh, likely will. But you can actually have your, your um, camera automatically send those lower res JPEGs, you know, like two or three meg out to your phone mm-hmm. just while you're shooting. Exactly. And so at any point, practically, you can just look on your phone and you'll see images that you've just taken with your camera showing up like if you use an iPhone in your photos library, which is really pretty cool. And I've, I've used that on occasion. It's kind of nice. I'll give you an example where I used that Um exact feature so i had a a friend of mine here in colorado springs asked me if i would be willing to take photos at a event it was a reception uh charity uh you know a fundraiser at the local art museum Mm -hmm. and i said sure and this person wanted to be able to you know quickly get them up on the instagram page that that they had to to you know to sort of mm-hmm. be live blogging it if you will, and so it was perfect. So I had I went in there and I was shooting with with that I don't remember what um, one of my Z cameras probably, and I I was taking pictures and they would immediately download to my phone and then I would take a little break, see which ones were good, and I could just text them to 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 her and then here's a bunch of pictures and then she had them up on Instagram. Um, really really convenient um if that's something you you do want to do i mean i guess that that's a case where your your camera uh looks your your camera settings your picture controls whatever you want to call styles become important uh, because they're going to be baked into those jpegs um Mm -hmm. but but it's really a nice a, a nice feature and it works it works very well um i think one of the reasons why people are often reluctant to use their bigger camera is because of that convenience factor with the phones of being able to share images super easily. Yeah. So this makes it a, a potential way to do that. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. There's one other feature um, that's been showing up more recently too, Rick. And you want to tell about that? Talk about that one. I'm guessing you're talking about the firmware update. Exactly. Feature. Exactly. And not every company's app will support it, but at this point, at least half of them do. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a nice alternative to, you know, having to download a file onto a regular computer and copy it to a card or whatever. Um, 
And and it works pretty well. I, I know Nikons will do it, Fujis will do it, Canons will do it. What's funny about it is the two companies that desperately need that feature, which are Sony and Olympus, just because of their mostly horrific um, firmware update process. Sony's improving it on some newer ones. But those are the companies that really need it, and they don't have it yet. Yeah. So hope, hopefully they'll get it. But it is a handy thing. The only, the only issue I've seen with it is that oftentimes, for whatever reason, they don't have their apps ready to go with the firmware updates when they're published. It takes a day or two. Ah, I see. You know, so that's but not everybody's as diligent as checking for new firmware as no, you and I. No, so, no, no, no. <laughs> so uh, but just in case people run into it, it's not uncommon to well, see a little bit of a delay. Um, those are the big features for me. Um, although I, I will admit I haven't done the firmware piece. I just usually do that manually, but mm -hmm. knowing that your smartphone app has potentially the capacity to not only be a remote trigger, but also camera control, wireless control. So changing settings preview, you can even focus, you can tap to focus where you want. Mm -hmm. Um, and then being able to download photos in small JPEG format directly to your device. Um, you know, you can do these sometimes from, from tablets too. Sometimes the apps work on, on both. Right. Uh, um, you know, that's, it's a nice little workflow to have or in your, literally in your back pocket, right? <laughs> no pun right. intended, but um, th those one are nice. The, one of the things I've also seen show up, and I, I suspect this will eventually make its way around to all the other companies' apps, um, and I mentioned it when we talked about the Olympus OM1. Um, their app will also manage your camera settings, so the custom settings, the C1, C2, or U1, U2 on other cameras. That's Those nice. kind of things can all be stored, and you can actually have multiple versions of them if you want. And, you know, theoretically, download a completely different set of them if you were doing some sort of specialized photography. I think that gets into the almost too fancy realm. The way I use them is they're just a very good um, backup of your settings and a way of restoring them. And you can you can play some tricks at times with them too. But um, it's a nice feature that I hope more camera companies embrace. Yeah. And in fact, one of my um, challenges is, you know, trying to manage settings, not just remembering where they are, but having backups of things. So that if you needed to do a restore, like mm -hmm. we talked about in an earlier episode, that's, that's a thing. Yeah. So that's, that's a brilliant one. And when I figured out it could do that, I was just thrilled. So I okay. think that those are the, the basics um, and well, we've so, so let's talk about, about some of the pros and cons. So we talked about the pros. And, and we and, talked a little bit about how we primarily use them. Right. I think um, what happens with these is you have to keep in mind that no matter which one of these apps you're using, they're all uh, prone to glitches. <laughs> I think. I, is I, the, I thought you were going to say they all suck a little. No, they don't all <laughs> suck. I what I would suck a little. They, they, there's things that you could <laughs> wish they were better, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you a, a perfectly good example because mm -hmm. we've both been through it. But when the the Nikon used to have a an app that worked for remote, and it worked fine, um, then they came out with the current 
product called SnapBridge. And that product, when it first came out, was an utter disaster. I mean, most of the time it didn't link up to your camera. I mean, you couldn't even get it to connect to it. It was nothing but frustration. Um, it would geotag your photos incorrectly sometimes using last known cell phone tower position. So you'd come back from a shoot in somewhere remote and see all your photos were tagged to your last known cell location, which was in some cases a half a mile away. Um, right. Not good. Um, mm -hmm. What I can say now is that that product has matured to the point where I really found myself pleasantly surprised with how good it works now. Um, there's still the glitches. There's still times where you have to you know, where it doesn't necessarily connect to your camera or there's times where the handoff between Bluetooth and Wi-Fi gets clunky. But it's a lot better than it used to be, I'll tell you that. Let's first talk about that problem with location data because that's present with all of them to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. and, and what I have seen is that if you give yourself some time with that connection up and running, that you're far less likely to get those really strange, spurious locations where mm -hmm. it's some neighboring cell tower or a place that you were, you know, four hours ago and it's 20 miles away. I've, I've, I've seen both. Um, but if you give yourself some time to have it up and running, um, those usually smooth out. I think it has to do with how they, um, use the cell towers to kind of bootstrap the GPS triangulation piece. Um, so just try it if that's a frustration to you and you want to avoid those problems. Just have things up and running, you know, a few minutes early. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I mean, and that's, that's always a good thing. It's just mm -hmm. satellite acquisition. Um, I do remember there was a time where I was shooting in, in white sands of, you know, speaking of which we talked about last week, mm -hmm. um, where literally everything was just last known location was the ranger station at the entrance. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. that doesn't really do me a lot of good. <laughs> so, right. so, um, but it, but it does work. Um, the, the connection piece is usually the, the, the finicky thing, uh, getting it to connect to your phone and then your phone has to connect to your camera's Wi-Fi. So generally, there's a step somewhere where it says, okay, we're going to hand off to Wi-Fi now. So now your phone needs to join this nearby network, meaning your camera's built-in hotspot. Mm -hmm. And and that used to be kind of painful, and it's gotten a lot better. But you still have to do that step. It's something to expect. Yeah, and some are quicker than others. You know, just even, and that's true even on the initial connection as well. Never mind switching over to the Wi-Fi one. Mm-hmm. One one thing I've run into um, frequently is, you know, the connection between the the app and the camera just getting hosed. Yeah. Either completely where it won't recognize that that camera is out there at all, or just some features working but not others, with the location data being the most finicky. And. The location data problem sometimes can be caused by enabling other features like the Bluetooth remote control thing that we were talking about. With at least some of them, if you have that enabled, it turns off the location data. So you just have to know that you're not going to record location data when you use that phone that way, at least with some of them. Um, you know, they're they're just... You know, a few little things in there that can bite you. But the, yeah. the bigger one is, well, 
when you just can't get anything to work, the thing I've always found myself resorting to is unpairing the camera mm-hmm. from the phone and then repairing it. That usually fixes things. And so that's the the most useful trick. I have seen instances where I've had to unpair and then completely delete the application and all of the stored data and just start from scratch again, which is frustrating, but I've had to do it with a number of them, independent of the company. I don't think I've had to go quite that far, but I've had times where I unpair a camera and and repair it. Another thing you have to be aware of, um, especially if you're using the phone as a a geotag, a, a location logger, is that uh, you have to remember to turn it on, <laughs> you know? Yes, and some of do. them have settings where the app will run in the background, and some of them will have settings where it will run in the foreground. So you have to have the app open. And what I find to me is the biggest the biggest challenge is remembering to open my app and launching it so that it's paired to the camera and getting the geotag data so it's beaming it over to the camera. And if you have more than one camera, it doesn't automatically switch. So if you then pull out camera B, your backup or your other camera, uh, it's not gonna have those data in it. Um, Unless you manually switch it, you have to just tell it, okay, I'm gonna connect now. Um, at least in the case of the software I've used, where it's you have one camera already there. Now it does have some auto pairing that has worked most of the time pretty well. So once you tell I want to pair to this camera, I want you to auto pair it when the camera turns on and the app is open. Most of the time that works, but it's not always uh, foolproof. Yeah, th- this is the piece that is extremely specific to the company. Is some some will make you manually switch. Some will just automatically handle things like the location data, but not the remote control, which kind of makes sense. Um, It's a real mixed bag. So that's where our listeners will just have to do a little bit more research on their own specific cameras. But multi-camera support can sometimes be a little bit weird. Mm -hmm. So you're forewarned. But I would just say at this point, um, there's enough useful features in there for our listeners to just be aware of. Uh, and if you haven't downloaded the the camera app for your camera, for your brand, whatever you might be using, take a look at it because you might be pleasantly surprised with the stuff that it will do for you these days. One thing that I forgot to mention you know, toward the start that's very useful in my opinion, but it's typically something that you have to turn on. And with some of them, they turn themselves off on this feature periodically. God only knows why. Um, but it, it's automatically setting your camera's clocks. Yes. According that's another, to the right. cell phone time slash GPS time. That can be that, super useful. It, it's su- super useful, especially if you're shooting with multiple cameras and want to have shots sequenced mm-hmm. between them properly. Um, but it also will handle things like time zone updates. Right. Or just your camera clock drifting a little bit and they getting it lined up with the correct time a little bit better. Um, but you usually have to turn that on manually. And then, like I said, with some of them, it will just decide, I don't want to do that camera anymore. And it will turn itself <laughs> off. And then you have to turn it back on. God only knows why. Well, I will say that oftentimes when I'm leading a workshop, you know, 
we've both done this. One of the first things I'll say to my clients when we show up at wherever is, did you fly here? Check your time zone on your camera. so Because you can fix dates after the fact, but it's a nice thing to know that they're going to be correct for you. Um, you know, especially with would, daylight savings and all these other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. One thing I would say too is if you're going to be relying on the data for or on the on the app for location data in particular, test it at home before you go out on your shoot. Nothing is more frustrating to be out in the middle of nowhere, turn turn it on the app and stuff, and then expect it to work, and then it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to troubleshoot in the field. That can right. be a lot more painful than necessary. I don't know about other cameras, but one one thing I know with the Nikon cameras that I've used is that if you review an image and you're in the image review playback mode, mm-hmm. um, there'll be a little icon of a little satellite to, mm-hmm. de- to denote in one of the screens to denote that that image was geotagged and it has GPS data in it. Right. So, so that's your hint. You know, take a test shot and <laughs> see if you're getting that. Yeah, it can be that icon, which shows up in multiple um, brands images and then the other thing is the the actual coordinates can sometimes show up on the screen in certain display modes you know if you're doing playback mm-hmm. and you'll right. actually see the coordinates and that can be a verification that things are working in fact there's a way on some cameras where you can just pull up in the camera menu to say what's my location and it'll show you your gps Real latitude time. and longitude and and so then you know it's pulling it down yeah and yeah the one other, yeah, one other little nuance. There are a lot of nuances with these things. Some will give you the elevation data, mm-hmm. the altitude. Some will not. Okay. And with a lot of them, it's the thing that works least well. It's the least accurate of all of the GPS components, yes. too. So, yeah. I mean, yep. you need multiple satellites to get it right. Yep. Um, I don't rely on that too much, although it is interesting to see that, you know, when we're up at Mount Evans and it says you were at, uh, you know, 2,800 meters or 3,000 meters or whatever, whatever. But it's not as critical as the latitude and longitude. No, no, it's, it's not. Um, so, um, I want to offer a little tip, uh, we haven't done a tip in a while, but it's related to this. So if you're pulling GPS data from your, whatever your device and you're Mm -hmm. putting it into your, um images the whole point is to see where you were mm-hmm. and and sometimes it's just a generality it's just well okay here it was i was on you know you know this general spot in a city or or wherever sometimes it's more useful for more precise locations for actual scouting to say you know here was the location and so when i was scouting um in white sands, the dunes shift every year, you know, the, but mm-hmm. so I was out there looking for specific yuccas I knew I could bring my group to. And I was thinking, and, and I'm, I'm a bonehead for not thinking about this sooner, but, but what, what there's a disconnect between the geotag in your photo and, and of course it's in your photos, but it's not necessarily in your maps it's it, it can be when you when you use your phone to take a picture well often yeah. geo, geotag it you can say here's where i where i was but when you have this wonderful photo that you said here's is a great spot right for the morning where exactly is that well i was kind of i know i was parked here but that's that's general you can copy and paste the just the latitude and longitude data 
from the GPS field in your image browser, whether it's Lightroom or whatever, in, you know, the things that show it, and then mm -hmm. paste that into your map app, you know, Google Maps or whatever on your phone, and it'll mark a location, and then there it is. <laughs> when you're mm -hmm. using your map, you, you, can, you can have all these little drop points, um, you know, pins or whatever, uh, and then go back to that exact spot. Now, most of the time, that's not important for casual photography, but it's certainly helpful for me as a group leader to know this is where we're going to be today. Yeah. So a little, a little tip. But um, I think your, your summary of the apps, when in doubt, if you're getting glitches, just remove the device from your, you know, remove the camera from your phone and then repair it. And that 95% of the time will solve the issue. Yep. If not more. Um, anything else uh, you no. want to bring up this week? I think it's no. been kind of cool. Um, lots of stuff to talk about next week. So we're, like I said, we're going to have an early edition. Look for it to come out midweek uh, before the Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. If you're not in the U.S., um, enjoy your week as 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 normal um but there's still a lot of good a lot of good discounts out there this time mm -hmm. of year especially on things like software bundles and stuff like that so we'll be trying to bring you some some information on that and until next time happy shooting all right bye bye